Welcome to the Law of Worlds podcast. My name is Connor and I'm here with Brian. This is a collaboration project where we build a world together. Each episode focusing on a different topic of that world. Hello, uh, welcome to episode four of the Law of Worlds podcast. Uh, so, what, what's, what's our topic this week, Brian? I'm going to let you start off. Well, our topic this week is how to apply your world. And um, this is a very open-ended question because it is very much very individual on how you choose to approach this task. And to carry over a thing, a concept that we talked about last week, um, I think I'm going to open up with um, when when you fo- when you build your world, you might hit a concept or an idea or a thing that you will start considering a centerpiece. Um, if you consider all other literature, this can be the Force, the Ring, the Hidden Wizard World, uh, Narnia, all kinds of concepts that we know about. And when you hit your centerpiece, so to speak, the you want to try and address it immediately and start building from that one and outwards. So do the inside out approach, which we talked about, because when you have your centerpiece, you want the centerpiece to be the focal point of your story Uh, and whatever medium you want to tell it, the centerpiece will have to be in whatever medium you want to tell your story. The centerpiece will be the key to captivate and find your special story and when you define it you need to find um its place of origin or what is it where does it belong Uh, you need to define its potential influences are people affected by it and does people affect it do people affect it um does it have a purpose and other people have purposes with it and once you start uh developing all these different concepts around your centerpiece and doing the inside out approach you'll want to try and pinpoint it to some of the 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 things you've already defined in your world and it might be just an open shell of a world where some geographical points is interesting for you to tie the the concept of of your centerpiece to consider again the ring and the mount doom it might be specific people that you have decided already, the concept of a person or character that you've decided that you want to tell the story from their point of view for at least some portion of, of your, your story or your, your piece. Consider again the, the different people who are inclined towards the force, for instance. And, and when you start developing from your centerpiece and outwards and start tying in the different, um, the different areas, geography, people, religions, magics, different things tying into the centerpiece, you kind of start seeing how can you make it into an interesting story? How can you how can you start somewhere and make developments along the way which will keep people interested in hearing what's next? Because that is that is the most important, keeping people captivated. That that uh, <laughs> I'm almost getting all excited about just thinking of all the concepts that you can literally come up with and and how it can be captivating to develop that story. I think um, I, I want to also mention that while while you're going through this, obviously, while you're building a world, you may have gone through the kind of steps that 
we've outlined or any any that you've heard elsewhere i think it's quite easy so quite often when you're excited or passionate or you have a very much of a ball rolling to find that centerpiece i think um we've used a lot of examples throughout these these three episodes and i was trying to think of ones that weren't already specific to ones or examples we've really given so one of the the examples i can give is uh the the sci-fi or space fantasy series june uh which their centerpiece is literally the spice (laughs) uh which is uh which if you're unfamiliar with this the series is essentially a uh you could say it's like a hallucinogenic drug they've over inundated themselves with and kind of mutated themselves also with the aid of genetic like genetic mutate or genetic manipulation to then get the ability to fold space and time essentially creating a a class of people who who are essentially in control of space travel meaning if you control you control spice production or mining i guess you could say then you control the ability to create more people who can do space travel, essentially controlling space travel. Um, and then, then from out there, from the, outwards, then you can have the political intrigue of the various houses that rule the galaxy and the emperor who rules the galaxy vying for this one thing. And, you know, there's there's also some other religious elements that go in there with the main character. But the centerpiece is the spice. That is literally the entire focal point of the Dune series. But yeah, uh, any, any more yeah, to add like to that? Their centerpiece can literally be any idea or concept or any angle. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that is uh, has an active role or something that needs to happen inside the story. Um, like just because I saw the word in, in, in some notes, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is literally named after a book, a, an encyclopedia that you can use inside the world to understand the world. So it's a funny way for the author to put in some some insight of concept races areas that he thought about, but it's not something that the, the people visiting the area might necessarily ever get the truth about in any other way besides throwing it in through the encyclopedia knows so I mean, it's also the, it's also the narrative um world builder's dream to have a story where you can have a device or tool within the world that can just give completely obscure and random exposition that just explains the world yeah, it, it, it literally is a, a great tool to be able to just explain whatever you want to uh whenever you feel that at this point the contact contest context of this um this extra additional information makes a lot of sense and yeah it's it it, that can be your centerpiece and if you dissect the rest of the story and you just take the encyclopedia or the the hitchhiker's guide out of that story you basically have a guy who's taken on for a ride and he has nothing no clue what's going on and random randomly stumbles upon saving earth or actually like isn't it destroyed and so they just build a replica right where everyone is replicated onto that earth, so everything is the same, and he's like literally the only one next to that uh, girl who knows. It's it's quite a messed up story, but the the, the takeaway from that book, uh, at least for me, sorry for people who love it much more and fan and uh, idolize it more than me, but the takeaway from that book for me was the 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 uniqueness of having the the encyclopedia along on the ride 
of this weird story um and, and it, it is a great story and but the the centerpiece for me is for sure the book in the book i know the book is much more vast than the film for instance yeah tr yeah uh, a lot like it it's a heavy book to go through but a lot of a lot of the literature despite being amazing literature can really be heavy because of um pictorial descriptions of 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 settings it can be very hard to get through with all the in, in inserted uh, uh, literature or inserted texts inside descriptive areas. So, yeah, it's it, it can be very hard to follow along with the author's uh, mind at some point in in these things. But the 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 concept is still you you will always remember the centerpiece. Um, I think we should move on to some examples. So I've actually got one specific. I've written down in our notes that I've got. So about a book, obviously, that's a one outlet that you could apply to a world, um, and it's kind of the most common form uh, of narrative um, method, I guess. Um, but I, my first example is more of a logistical thing. So if you're, you're building a world, you could build a, an encyclopedia. Now, I have a very specific example of this. So, for the Peter Jackson King Kong movie, they brought out a book called The World of Kong, The History uh, of Skull Island. Now, obviously, this is a fictional place, and it's, it's only for a film. It's the film's version of Skull, uh, Skull Island. But this book is laid out like it's a uh, uh, a, na a naturist who's gone to the island and has documented all these creatures and drawn like colored like images of them and explains them all and their habitats and like whereabouts in the island they were and what kind of biome they lived within and they also have an explanation in that book of how the island used to be bigger and how the, the, the sea levels rose and so the island got smaller and it kind of shows you the evolution. A fantastic book. And this is when I, obviously, when the 2015 film was or was around, or no, 2005, I think it was actually, film, uh, was was like, I when I, me and my brother got that book and we just devoured it because it was literally like someone had gone and made a world that we'd seen on screen and then decided to explain away all the the creatures and the biomes and the various creatures, even creatures you don't even see in the film, and just give a full fleshed out encyclopedia of that world. And that was a very logistical thing, you know. It gave biomes, it gave it gave geological history of what the island used to look like. It mentions how Kong used to live in a community uh, that built the cities there. Uh, and it kind of explains the evolution of how the human inhabitants of that island like changed from this kind of a bit more sophisticated like almost like Aztec culture and then they were pushed more to the coast when the sea levels rose and things got a bit more crazy and became this more like cannibalistic very aggressive tribe um so yeah, you could very much think about a book as being logistical, encyclopedic, very immersive in its detail and the things that you want to display. Obviously, a very easy one is 
you know, a narrative in a in a in a in a book. I don't know if you have any topics or like uh, examples of that. I don't know. No, well, talking about the book and as an encyclopedia, I also just remember that uh, consider how many different uh, works of fiction uh, that at some point will have a wiki database because there are fans, uh, myself included, I will call guilty on that one, where I love the lore, I love the small details, but my memory is just not that good at keeping track of all of it. So when I see something and I'm like, hey, that's this sound vaguely familiar, instead of like maybe playing through the game to find where it is or tapping through the book to find the exact phrase myself, the fact that there are wiki pages or different other communities where you can find all these things, it's amazing for me because then then it, it makes me have a deeper appreciation of the links between the different sections of the book. Um, and yes, most authors will not necessarily in the past at least have published these encyclopedias for their own books. But like we mentioned before with Lord of the Rings, he did publish a large uh, amount of, um, what are you called? Addendums? I, 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 and I, uh, yeah, I think that he before you carry on i think that's also partly the reason why it became it weirdly successful in its attention to detail you know most people would say you don't need to write a big backstory and world history and languages like tolkien did because he had the time and experience and expertise to do those kinds of things um and that is very much true. You, you'll kill yourself if you want to go into every detail possible. Meant, although, you know, uh, not to, to give anything, but there are elements to this world that we might create in the podcast that I do want to bring up, but we'll, we'll, we'll table that for for next episode, uh, which is, yes, actually, next episode, I'm so excited, is our, is our beginning of our world. Uh, I'm looking forward, because we have no idea. But yes, no, the elements of encyclopedia were were the elements where you can kind of like, you hear a mention of a place that Tolkien mentions. And if you have that, that, that other material that you can go to and refer to and go, did Tolkien or the author say anything more about this world or that, that particular place? Wikis and other things are amazing because you can go oh, this thing is called, you know, uh, Moria, the, the Mines of Moria. And you, you maybe you can go online and search up Mines of Moria and you see all the various stories that are related to it. And you, you understand the place that Gandalf and the Fellowship are running through has so much more history and meaning to it. And the stories told within that place give the fact that it's abandoned now and they're running for this goblin and infested place so much more depth but it doesn't need to be explained because that's not that doesn't really serve the narrative in that time but it's always interesting to have it as a a secondary resource out there yeah looping us a little back on the the matter of it becomes uh, it goes from being a great to being a legendary piece because of how much people want to dive in deeper and can actually get the author's source material on the matter and it's just it it feels amazing if you haven't uh if you haven't uh, treated yourself to reading through a lot of the appendices and a lot of the extra works that Tolkien did it, it yeah i can only recommend i will say it's, it's it's written in old english some of it and it's very dense and some hard, some of it's hard to 
chew through, but there's a lot of people that have deciphered it and made it more plain English, I think. Yeah, exactly. Like, I started reading an old classical version of Moby Dick, and like I mentioned earlier this this episode, sometimes the author's pictorial descriptions can just, and, and the way that they want to phrase it, because they're using a very, very beautiful language, it can just become very, very difficult to follow along because it is quite hard to follow old English, especially if it's very stylish and pictorial. But yes, a lot of people have taken it, people who are studying English literature, they've, they've taken it and turned it into a more modern and more easy read. Uh, I don't think that you're losing key points or key value from, from having reading a more easy read version of it. But yeah, if, if, if you can get a hold of any of the old ones, just give it a try, look at it, and, and, and then uh, enjoy the, the, the quality of the writing from the time it was created. I think also, um, well, we'll, we'll move on uh, in the sense of uh, we're talking about narrative, you know, for a book, I guess, is you want to, a potential method you could go about is only explaining the the extremely relevant uh, plot points or the world around those various plot points, you know, we keep on going back to it and I feel like I'm I'm so looking forward to when we don't have to make make uh, reference to it. But uh, you know, Harry Potter. You know, you could maybe make the Quidditch field or the various lands around it, or the Dark Forest, or Hogwarts, or you know, Hogsmeade, or you know, uh, the Diagon Alley. Like, you make the elements of the world that are relevant. You don't need to explain what's down that street and what's down that street. You don't even need to. Uh, flesh it out in your mind you don't even need to make a layout of hogsmeade if you didn't want to you can only just explain away the the elements where you know if your character is going into one of the buildings yeah you might want to flesh out what the name of the building is who's in it what's its purpose you know those are the things that you might want to flesh out but until it's relevant uh it's not rele- it's not relevant you know if you wanted a character to go into a town and there to be a tavern now that's your prompt to make a tavern and make it fleshed out and have these characters within it and, and maybe a bit of history about it. So it's like the, the prompt of, is this relevant to the story? Now I have a, uh, an excuse to make it. Um, also, also do consider that if you're, if you're writing it as a book uh, or a piece of literature, <clears throat> uh, if you're telling it from the point of view of a character in the story, then would they know it would they notice it and would them noticing or knowing these things and telling that they notice or know these things will it take focus away from the story that you want to tell because then it's just a speed bump so don't do it if you're telling it from an all-knowing observer point of view do keep in mind that as the audience will be able to will basically know everything that the all-knowing narrator will tell them do they need to know this? Will this will this spoil the surprise or the reveal that's to come later, or will this um, like just be word filling to that will slow them down in the in the in a moment of excitement of what's going to happen in this new town? Oh, oh, great, great! You're going to list all the street names of the town. Great, wait, I'll just skip four pages. Like to keep the story flowing, do consider to add as much information as you need, but do try to trim information that is not um, serving the purpose of the story uh, and because it might just stall it too much. 
I mean, that's also, yeah, I've just realized that is, you know, uh, now Star Wars fans, I'm a big Star Wars fan, but don't jump on me, Star Wars fans, but uh, the in Star Wars, there's the Mos Eisley's Cantina. Now, granted, there may be a name out there somewhere for that cantina, but for the most part, it's just called Mos Eisley's Cantina. Um, and Mos Eisley's is a big place, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's not the only place to get drinks in that whole place and it's just the one that luke and obi-wan just happened to come across to meet a pilot it wasn't it's probably not the mosaic cantina maybe that's its entire name um but like you know that's that's the only thing that's referred to it i don't think any of the characters refer to it as the mosaic cantina it's just the fans knew it was it was in mosaic's it was a cantina, because that's what they mention it as. So it's the Mos Eisley's cantina. That's and that's the only thing the the audience needs to know, um, because it wasn't the, the the name of the place isn't relevant. You know, they they're me- they're meeting a group of character future characters in this place. It's a place where drinks are, and you know, trouble can happen in. That's about it. I have a, a, a slight sadistic hope that someone's going to know the real name of this place and that someone's going to berate you with the real name of this place for years to come after this is published. But that's just me. Yep. <laughs> I hope they do because but... honestly, I, I, and I, but, but here's the thing. I bet you they're going to be like, yes, there is a name for it, but it came in a comic 10 years after the first film was released. And you're like, and that, and, and that to that answer, I say to you, that's not a good answer because that was probably someone that wasn't had anything to do with George Lucas who just wrote a name for this cantina and now that's apparently the canon name for it. No, 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 no. Well, Lucasfilm has been bought by Disney, so whatever Mickey says it's called, that's what it's called, right? Yeah, okay, right. Well, Mickey, <laughs> if, if, the, if the comic book was, you know, published or consented by Mickey, it's just extended universe and I don't take it <laughs> um but no the, the 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 risk that that of course um all that you might think you know about a world and all that it has become canon and known as canon for a large fan base for a long period of time you always have to consider one of the next point that we've uh, noted down well building is never done um uh, yeah all the different worlds that you see that has been built, all the, the famous works of fictions where the author is still alive is always in development, either forward in time or filling in gaps in the backwards in time to to support some of the story or to fill fan curiosity. I mean, so yeah, yeah, someone could fill the fan curiosity of what's this cantina called. <laughs> someone might come up with it if it becomes a, a hot enough topic. I mean, th- th- that's one of the things that I've I've looking back at those first three films of Star Wars, I've noticed is the when Luke asks Obi-Wan or old Ben what happened to his father, he said that Darth Vader killed him uh, and that his father was a great Jedi during the Clone Wars. And then, and obviously most people now in this current generation are, are fully aware of what the Clone Wars are. You know, there's there's been a film, there's been films set, there's been three films set kind of in that period of time. There's been loads of animated series all about the Clone Wars and the Clone Troopers and all that other stuff. But until that point, it was just literally a dialogue 
of he just, they, it was just a mention it was just a your for, your father died in the clone wars that was it there's no there's no more context to it obviously since then there's been so much more context built onto that one line but the clone wars were just a line just a it's called he fought in the clone wars that was it and now it's blown up and that's why world building is never done because you could you could mention something once and that, then a whole series of other uh, narrative elements just spring forth from that one idea like um oh once again um just for ashley to know uh, please uh, mute my feed for the last since last time i said something because i just spoke a little to my girlfriend and it might have been captured so going back similarly to what we see nowadays where uh, i think the uh, war of the rohirrim in lord of the rings is going to be um made into a, a movie or uh, an animate or whatever it is going to be uh it's it's again something that's referenced i think when arwen speaks to aragon and he she referenced that um uh, my father remembers you helping my grandfather in a war in the war of the rohirrims and then aragon goes like yeah he has a good memory and she goes like that can't be like he like you would have to be this and this old and he goes like yeah i'm kind of much older but yeah so again similar to the clone war reference to a war it's probably written down in some of uh, the other appendices or extra works of uh, tolkien that i have not seen but um yeah it's 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 not a major fictional work and now it's being like filmatized or made into a movie because even even just the mention of it means that people will be curious and I really hope that they're gonna keep the Tolkien essence of telling the story of the Rohirrims because it could be a really great story because it is less less uh, ultimately power and more just realistically warfare. So it can it can be a really good story. I hope, uh, and I'm very interested to see where they go. But yeah, every single mention in a story can potentially become a fully developed story because. It is a larger chain of events that's transpired in your world, and even if you don't have the time to tell it, um, it, it it could eventually become more. I, and I don't know. There's also there's an element going back to it, and I, I, I think this is this is me going off on one, and I might bucket list it, but by fast, I, you know what? I am going to bucket list it. My fascination yeah. with Star Wars and how the first three films. It, uh, you can look at certain elements to those first three films and work out the full depths of of the current universe and the, the extended universe. And I mentioned this to my, my partner that uh, Boba Fett, he had a symbol on his like shoulder pad, right? He was, he was just at the time in the, the films, he was just a bounty hunter. He, I think he had one line maybe in the film, maybe more than that, maybe... At, no bet no more no more than 10 i don't think uh during those those three films and then from there the fans and i'm maybe maybe a bit of lucas and his writing team expanded that and made his armor mandalorian and that symbol that he had on his 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 armor was this like the symbol the logo of mandalorians anyway and i was watching mandalorian and thinking wow all of this story has come from one bounty hunter who barely got to say any lines in the film and literally consider that it might actually just have come from some um you know a dress manager or something who going like yeah this will look cool in the movie 
Here's a cool looking this, skull this image. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's, let's do this because that looks kind of cool. And then George Lucas would have looked at what they're pitched and they would go like, yeah, it sounds fine. And now, like, a few franchise uh, pieces later, it's like, yeah, of course, it's going to be its own topic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yes, let, we'll, we'll move on uh, to do, don't worry about making everything perfect. Uh which is really, really important, I think, because I think it relate, relates to the topic or the, the part we're just on about, which is world burning is never done. Is It doesn't need to be perfect from the beginning. You can always find ways to f- fix or solve or change an element of your world uh, with enough effort and understanding of your own world and also understanding of what you plan to present to your audience, uh, what, depending on what medium you choose to to pick it through. Um, if you if if you don't have a plan to ever have it be part of a medium, uh, then then you know it sounds strange, but the the internal logic isn't as um, isn't as needed. Maybe it is for your own self, your own understanding and own critique of the 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 world that you make. Um, but it can always be changed. Uh, but I would say that if you are trying to solve a problem, uh, don't just change it because you need it to change. Try and think of a way to change it and have it honor everything that you've created beforehand. You know, you might you might make you might release or publish one piece of work. Maybe you maybe publish a book, and you write your second book, and you come across a problem which you need to be solved a certain way, but will conflict with what you've already established in the past. I think you can. It then becomes a harder problem to solve, and you still want to solve that problem. But you need to. I feel like you. There's a there's an element to an onus to uh, being consistent with your reality. So I I will um I will drop one very personal opinion on on something with correcting um correcting your canon. Uh, keep in mind, like Connor says, completely agree that um, canon can change and canon will change. I I don't believe I've seen a a single modern piece of of work or fiction where canon has not changed somehow Uh, some some different uh, concepts or some different um, publishers go around it but different ways like the what if stories of marvel um, and 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 different concepts to try and go about telling alternative versions of stories or changed versions of stories or correct a little bit and go like uh, multi multiverse ideas but one thing that i have yet to experience uh, being blown away by and I know that there are people who will have a thousand good suggestions and I will promise to probably look at a few but time travel I know the concept of time travel is amazing and it's a good story for like the concept of the time travel capability fascinates a lot but I have literally never experienced a story where time travel solved a problem it, it feels like a it feels like you got yourself stuck somehow and you go like oh well we can only fix it if we introduce time travel so brr. And, and when you do time travel, it's just like, if time travel is capable, there's just like 
honestly a thousand different ways where you could have used it better. Why didn't they travel back in time and kill baby Thanos? Why did they have to do the stones? Like literally, <laughs> you can literally solve it in a th- if time travel is possible. Solve it the easiest way, not just oh. But then we have to use the least amount of time travel. Is is, is it finite time travel? I mean, they mentioned like, that in the film. So many, like, so many new questions. Literally, yeah, exactly. So literally, if time travel becomes a, a thing, it, it I I. I I've seen a lot of different movies where eventually they introduce like a little bit of time travel, and you go like, yeah, like um, different different series, uh, TV series franchises uh, with with the fiction have have dealt with it, or science fiction franchises have dealt with with the capabilities of time travel, where the the physics and the rules of of nature becomes a little bit fuzzy because they don't really know how it works, and then they go into oh, okay alternate dimension, and when you go back in the past, you change the future and obvious things like that, but but yeah, but. Then comes the amazing paradox. If you would ever in your life get in possession of a time machine, ever in your life, why would you not travel back to the first time where you understood the concept and give it to yourself to abuse it as much as possible instead of just go like, no, 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 I can't travel back to myself. And I know all the paradoxes that people constantly (laughs) mention and all that stuff. But it's like, there's so many things where like, why would it have only negative consequences? Because literally, if if time travel exists and you consider everything about the butterfly effect, eventually, like, you will be stuck in some sort of... Yeah, I can't really... Time travel, haha. So, you, you, like, you, you will get stuck in it at some point. And I have not seen a single piece of work where time travel worked amazing. I, 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 I honestly have I've haven't. seen a lot. Yeah. I have but, a theory I've that... I've seen good movies, but, but the time travel aspect always goes a little bit... Eh. I honestly have a theory that the second, if if it's possible, and we invent a machine to make time travel, I think the universe will just end. Like the second you activate the machine <laughs> to t- to transport to time, the universe will end. Because if you think about it, everything and anything, the second it works and you can, and it is capable of sending you back and forth through time. Everything and everything happens all in that one instant. Like, you know, every ver- every time someone traveled through time, it doesn't, it, it all happens at once because time is relevant. So the second you press that button, everyone will travel through time all at once and they will cause so much irreversible damage to the universe and destroy so many things and cause, and, you you press that button and everything that time travel could make possible will happen in an instant. Connor, have you been uh, been writing a, a piece of fiction and not knowing how to end it, and then you were like, they invented time travel and everyone died? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's that's a way. To, they didn't live happily ever after. They invented time travel. Done. I mean, it's it's like the idea of that theory of of, of of arriving at a singularity in a black hole is that everything and everything happens all at once because you. I I don't actually know the physics behind it, or the theoretical the physics behind it. Um, a black hole. Yeah, the 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 event horizon of a black hole is the the theory that you know time stops and like everything and and nothing happens all at once because you're at a point where you can't go forwards or backwards, so everything that could happen does happen around you. I, I think, but it's also because... nothing happens because time has stopped. I don't understand the full concept of the, of it. But as far as I understand, time is subjective. 
and it is very subjective to your speed according to Einstein's laws, apparently, as far as I understand. So because of the ridiculously high gravity around the black hole, you will experience a ridiculously high acceleration and experience a ridiculously high speed. So time will become fuzzy around it. That's the concept of what I understand about it. But like I said, again, every like as soon as time travel become a thing, like it's not like we can toss someone into a black hole and, go, and then ask them like afterwards, go like, so how do you feel? Like it, it, it can't happen. We, can, we can't do it currently. I'm not saying it won't be possible because I know, uh, like, say in a few thousand years, I might sound like the people get saying, you can't sail around the world. Ah! So I, I know that things might change, but still currently is like trying to, to at the time when people thought the earth was, was flat, all the different aspects of fiction would probably go something like, yeah, and they sailed to the world and fell over. Yep. You can't so, sail to England and steal all of the beautiful people. Hey, we did that for plenty of time. Don't <laughs> worry. Is, yeah, good old, you know, Vikings. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a uh, yeah side side jumps. But anyways, it's it's I, I, pers- I said from the start this is a very personal thing for me. I do not, I do not consider time travel a feasible solution for any of my uh, canonical problems because once I introduce time travel, it it always becomes even more problematic. And to to an extent where I I do play uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and every single time I've I've had players ask like, oh, how do you feel about uh, chronoturgy magic? And I'm like, I don't like it. I, like I I really don't like it because if you can learn it as a player, theoretically there will be someone more powerful in the world who knows more about it, or even a deity or somewhere where this magic originates from. And why would they not just abuse it? Like, literally, I know that you can always go for the, the masters of time, keepers of, of the, the timelines and blah, 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 all that stuff. But it's like, yeah, because they will be the first faction in the world to be infallible to corruption. Why not? So every single time you introduce time travel, I just feel that you're you're, you're scratching the you're scratching a surface where you don't want to see what's, what's been underneath. And uh, feel free to toss me your literal best example of a time travel uh, series or movies. I'll give them a shot. I might have seen them already and discarded them, and I will gladly let you know. But I, I, I'm that's a that's a can that I'm deliberately not opening ever if I can avoid it. I think that's why you need to have in a, in a narrative element. I think you need to have an you do need to have that person at the end of the ton of the time tunnel who has full one hundred percent immutable control of the timeline, no matter what. Uh, so that you know, if you do make a mistake. That godlike, omniscient, omniscient, overarching being can just fix it within an instant without any headaches or anything. I think the 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 mega time being who controls all of time, no matter what you do to it, is a solution. <laughs> um, which is why in in a D and D setting, god a god of time is 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 always uh, is is a solution. I think in my mind. Uh, so at the at the end of the entire Marvel multiverse is Mickey Mouse pulling the strings? No, no, it's, what it's, can- it's uh, John Legend. No, not John Legend. Uh, what's his <laughs> name? Uh, he plays Kang, and he also plays the, the man at the. You know, you got Marvel. You got Marvel's solution to that. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but who polices the policeman of the time police? Uh, uh, he does. He polices the policeman. And he pleases himself because he has written down everything that ever has ever happened 
on on pieces of paper. Uh, and I think that will also be the element where, you know, if you've seen the Marvel series Loki and, you know, whatever, the ending happens, I think... Anyway, stuff, stuff is going to happen. I knew that was the most important uh, series for the next bit of Marvel. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, so let, let's, let's go to the next point. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we kind of touched upon this, uh, but talking about how uh, if you if you create some rules within the world that, you know, you have seen uh, X character do X thing, um and a scenario and 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 the, the the you know the causation of that those two things created x effect um it's kind of your your rules for magic um uh then the next time they're faced with a similar problem the characters should be aware that of the rules within their own world that they can do the same action to solve the same problem in the same way and also you know for your readers that will also make sense you know your your rules for your world could be it could be wacky it could be like you know every time you see the color red you uh you don't feel hungry anymore and it could be weird wacky rules but you know it, it it and it could be like the villain arrives and he's in all wearing red and 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 your character is both filled with terror and fear but also they're they're not hungry anymore or, or <laughs> a bit more of an articulate way of explaining it and then in your narrative you can it makes sense because you've already established that seeing the color red magically makes you feel full up and so they free, see this villain and 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 it makes sense why that emotion comes through for us, it doesn't make sense, but because you've established it as a rule, and it makes consistent, and it's it stayed consistent, you it makes complete sense within your world. Um, uh, Imagine the 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 prolonged effect, or the 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 slow learn, or the slow deterioration of actual event knowledge or skills. Um, just I, I know we reference it a lot, but. First time uh, Frodo's being made aware that Gollum is following them, he goes like, "I wish Bilbo had killed him," and uh, or a pity that Bilbo didn't kill him. I think he says, and then Gandalf rephrases something in the in the lines of, "I'm trying to phrase the books and not the movie," but something in the lines like, "It was Bilbo's pity that made him spare Gollum's life," a lesson that Frodo carries with him. So when he and Sam are alone and encounter Gollum later in the story. Sam reflects what Frodo initially stated, but Frodo reflects the the the, the pity that Bilbo or initially ref, or was re, uh, uh, exhibiting. So Frodo all of a sudden feels a kinship towards him and a pity for him also, because he wants to have hope for the fact that he can not be completely owned by this ring for the rest of his life. So so that's an experience learned because he was introduced to what Bilbo chose to do and the reason behind it. And he reuses that, uh, that, that memory or that knowledge now for the next time when he encounters a similar situation. So it, it gives depth that people learn from their past and it gives, uh, gives character that they can also, you can see them being uh, invigorated by different things or slowly be 
uh, deteriorated or corrupted by other things. Like the fact that you, like, you literally don't hear the single line in the books about uh, Frodo carrying the ring around his neck from Shire to Bree. Literally, almost like besides when the wraith is looking almost at them, um, but but it's hardly mentioned. Where in the last stretch of stretch of the story, it's like, oh my god, it's heavy. Oh my, it feels like the chain has been burning him, and it's irritating, and his skin feels itchy, and so yeah, it's it's a slow effect, and stuff will develop over time. So so don't consider something to be status quo, and and yeah, rules can also be a a a rule of. Uh, a long-term effect, either negative or positive. I, th- I think uh, uh, with with our kind of expertise, I think rules are, are definitely really important for uh, magic systems. I think, uh, I mean, you can have a character development rule. Um, but magic systems are, are one element. I think the, the the example I've got in my mind for character development is, you know, say you have a character who you know maybe they're a group of characters say it's a post-apocalyptic setting and they are it's zombie post-apocalyptic and you have a group of characters and they walk past an emptied out swimming swimming pool and one of the characters go oh i'm glad i didn't have to to go through that because i can't swim and then later down the line you have uh that same group being chased by a group of zombies and they're rushing across a bridge which they have seen in the in from a distance in the past is, is is derelict, but they're in a panic situation. They're running for their lives. They're not really thinking about what's ahead of them, and they get to the edge of the bridge, and beneath them is the river, and there and you know you could logistically say that character who can't swim stays behind to sacrifice themselves so that the rest of them can get further away, or. You can choose as a as a character development moment as being like this character can't swim, but their fear uh, for this situation of being chased by zombies forces them to jump off the the bridge into the river and kind of overcome their fear because and it's not really a fear of like they're scared of water, but they just they don't know how to swim, so they would naturally be scared of getting in water because. They they have a perception of themselves that they don't have the skills to navigate water, but yeah, it could be a rule or a, or a moment of character development. Um, I don't know if you there's any more to add to that on your end, Brian. No, no, I, I completely agree that that yeah, you can either have a strict rule that um, that is something that will always be followed by either character mentality or behavior or physics in the world, or you can have it be a plot point to to uh, encourage change so yeah every single time something specific like the the fear of water happens the character always backs down until the point where they need to do something literally i i know i'm gonna i'm gonna say you you almost described a scenario where the character development of sam not being able to swim but he decides it's more important that he shows frodo that he'd rather die than leave him I remember that, that 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 character development is also a very very strong commitment to wanting to follow him to the end, even if he's literally walking into it himself. So so that character development to defy your own fear, to like like achieve something greater or to follow your your conviction or something that that is again a strong plot point and it's it's just yeah it's it's a scene that I, I bet everyone who's seen the movie can remember. 
Yeah, relate to. Frodo literally says, yeah, but Sam, you can't swim. Go back. I mean, but here's the thing. If that scene happened near the end of the third film and you'd seen Sam follow Frodo through thick and thin, through keeping this golem creature to abandoning him, to then him coming back to save him in Shelob and, and then, you know, triumphantly coming back together to fight Gollum and then the water scene happened and then Frodo abandoned and Sam and Sam was just like, all right, cheers. I'm, I'm just going to, that's, that's okay that you're abandoning me and just left him. <laughs> that would be, you'd be like, wait, you just, you followed this guy through thick and thin and now you're just okay with him just leaving you on your own? But didn't you know Samwise is also uh, afraid of height? That's why he passes out when they get picked up by the eagles. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's just but no, yeah, yeah. It's 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 the timing is also key. So if you want character development, it has to be at a time where that development means something. Like you, you, if if someone goes like, "Oh, I'm not strong enough to lift that rock off the road back home," and then all of a sudden, a similar sized rock is randomly in the road, but he can just walk around because he doesn't need to move it because they're yeah. like literally five feet away from motor, and he goes like, "I can move it. I developed." Who cares? <laughs> just go throw the ring in the fire. So, so that's the thing. Like the, the the development of your character will have to happen at a time where it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, again, it will be a, just a a speed bump. Because you want to add something, like so. So don't consider your 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 story as even. Oh, it's been a while since this guy has leveled up or had development. So let's put something in. Don't 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 consider that. The story has to be coherent more than it has to be fair to someone. Yeah. Because it, it the story doesn't have to to be fair and give everyone equal uh, development and equal uh, time in the spotlight because. Uh, in the story, there's a reason why there's a main character and a lot of supporting characters, or a few main characters and a lot of more supporting as well. So, don't be afraid to 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 not give them equal time in the spotlight and not give them uh, equal development because they don't need it. Like a, a character being consistent can be equally strong to the story. Yeah, um, and I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll close it, getting around to the end. Um, just some helpful tips. Obviously, uh, I want to reiterate we are not. You know, we're not professionals in in most regards to this stuff. It's purely a kind of hobbyist thing, but we're very passionate about it and we uh, enjoy it. Uh, but like helpful tips. So some of the stuff I've written down are like if you're writing a book, segment your work. You know, set goals. Uh, whether it be I'm going to write a page t- today, or I have till you know, say it's you know the beginning of the month. You'd be like, by the end of the month, I want to have finished a chapter set some kind of achievable or just doesn't necessarily have to be achievable but goals and even if you don't meet those goals as long as you felt consistently like you were working towards those goals that 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 should be enough you know anything you can do to divide your the the bigger task into manageable parts is 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 great um you know and that and and to 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 give it more of a world building element it could be you know you might start with okay i want to create the cosmology and then for my world because i want to create a timeline i might want to make just the the creation myth uh maybe if you wanted to i mean you don't have to put an end to your timeline but you could be like (laughs) the death of the universe and then you pick a point in the middle and go that is the timeline that i want to develop outwards from 
and all my story will or, or the world will be developed at that point in time and then you don't have to worry about the, the cosmology anymore or how the world was created or how the world eventually ends you just focus on uh the middle part and then you go okay i want to create one continent two continents three continents and all i want to do for now is just name them and give them some kind of base flavor and text and you and you can break down your world into very manageable chunks uh in that in that in that way i don't know if there's anything you want to add to that as well no it's it's always good to to manage your uh, break down a bigger task into smaller tasks it's it's a, a great way of of project managing and just biting it down into smaller chunks do not get trickled into thinking that just because you've put the last dot on that chapter but now that chapter is done and is ready to be published once the rest is um don't don't be afraid to go back and don't be afraid to 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 leave uh leave different sections for a while and come back to it with new eyes and and what you have learned since you've been writing further on because you might have written something and then go back and go like wait then it doesn't make sense that i said this about them so do, do do consider the fact that you might have you might have an inconsistency just because of not having the full capacity of memory to remember every single thing you've written down already i know i don't so whenever i write something i usually just reiterate back and like do summarized version of each of the characters developments and 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 these smaller things to to make sure that the character is consistent throughout the story and the the geography seems consistent in their pace of travel if they're traveling a lot so don't don't think that just because you put the last dot on a on a chapter or a section that now it's will it will never have to change because you can very easily have to have changed it and you can also very easily i i know i've done this written like almost a whole chapter and then just a few weeks later go like yeah now this this chapter is pointless it doesn't make sense anymore so i'll just completely scrap it or i'll leave it i'll kind of bucket list it and i'll leave it and go like oh well the concept of what i tried to write here might make sense somewhere else like don't be afraid to reuse what you've already made uh, if like of course not one to one but but repurpose it then to somewhere else and uh and yeah it's I, there are a thousand good tips but i i hope that uh that as we uh progress with this series and and we start making some of the more live development on on a on a world concept i hope that uh people will will see what what we do and even come come up with questions and and feel free to ask them at any time yeah, I think that's a perfect time to round out. Um, so that's the end of episode four. Uh, something I'm really excited about, I know Brian is definitely excited about, is our next episode will be the beginning of our world. You know, next episode, episode five, will be where it all begins and you will see the complete elements of, of the world that we will create together. And I also want to mention, just as a little tidbit, so that you know the audience is aware, we have not like talked about this this potential world at all we've mentioned to each no. other that we have some <laughs> ideas but we haven't mentioned anything we haven't gone we we haven't picked a genre literally nothing when we come to and episode not, five not shared a single idea exactly when we come to episode five the recording you will hear will be our creation of the world from every element Maybe we might come with ideas that we've thought independently, but it will be 
the world from the very beginning and you'll see the entire process um i will also mention between episodes after that point we're we're human we might have some cool ideas in the weeks between recordings where we have some cool ideas about the world but we will not they won't be they won't be canon until we we mention them in the podcast or we determine in the podcast and we discuss them and go yes that sounds canonical you know we could have loads of ideas and documents and write stuff down like i might do between the weeks but it won't be relevant until i've mentioned it to brian and 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 we've written it down in a document that we will both share and potentially uh give uh, our, our audience to look at and and review and overlook and just have a place to kind of like an encyclopedia for our own world in a weird way um but yes and just a, a quick disclaimer, because I know that to keep all this stuff um, in in memory or accessible, I will be typing a lot because literally to underline that we have not discussed anything, we've not prepared anything, we're just going to do it on the fly, which means I need to take notes. So you might hear my keyboard clattering a little bit uh, that I hope you haven't done so far, because I need to write some of these concepts down, otherwise I will forget. And it, it is... Yeah, I'll try to keep it a minimum, but yeah, it's it's just to 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 keep the consistency that we've been talking about in these uh, these initial world building episodes as well, and just to try and, and keep track of how important it is. So yes, to the person editing it, uh, we make that our next episode might have clattering noises of keyboards because <laughs> we have to type notes and 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 things like that. Um, but yes, uh, I think that's a perfect place to end it. Uh, I look forward to next episode. Uh, well, yeah, goodbye. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to the Law of Worlds podcast. You can contact us at lawofworlds at gmail.com, Twitter at Law of Worlds, Reddit community, Law of Worlds, and a link to our Discord on both Twitter and Reddit. My name is Connor. My name is Brian. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.